Well, footy fans, it's been a busy off-season. We're refreshed and revamped, and I cannot wait to bring you the first edition of Inside the NRL. Let's get into it. The captain's challenge has been given the green light, but have the commission made the right call? Plus, we're spoiled for guests. Three NRL stars join us live. And should Newcastle let Calum Ponga play for the All Blacks, our panel have their say. Well, of course, it is 2020. That means a new rugby league season. Welcome back. New year, new set. It's so good to see you. Same crew. <laughs> Michael Chavis, Jamie Sauer. Do we like it? I love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. The update is outstanding. They've done very well behind the scenes. They have. They have. Now, a lot's happened in the off-season. How was it? You became a father of three. You were yes, a father of two. madness. Father of three. Yeah. Beautiful princess. So apologise for Amelia. the... Uh, yeah, it's been good. Enjoyed it. So, uh, no complaints. Okay. My end. Okay, well, good on the family <laughs> side, but you have departed. Uh, so we do have news that Michael Chamis now works for the Sydney Morning Herald as a senior reporter. Congratulations. Thank I'm you. upset, but I'm also very proud of I'm that still opportunity. Still here. Still around. Yes. Yes, can't, can't let go of my dear friend over here. <laughs> <laughs> the banter in 2020 will get even bigger. Uh, now, what about for you? Yeah, okay. look, uh, quiet one for me, looking after my little daughter. So uh, looking forward to the footy starting back. I think uh, we had a little bit of an entree with the Nines and then the All-Stars and now the trials are starting to get a little bit, you know, they're all done and dusted. So looking forward to being back and, and starting the footy season. Jamie, I thought you were going to give yourself a plug for Sweet or Sour podcast. Oh, yeah, I've got the Sweet and Sour podcast. Make sure you... <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I've just been... Uh, yeah, doing some stuff on the side, but um, looking forward to the season starting. Definitely. Now, over the last or off-season, what's been the biggest highlight for both of you? Oh, for me, it's Latrell Mitchell having the courage not only just to walk away from the Roosters, but then to say, I'm signing with the biggest rivals and joining South Sydney. That, to me, that's the biggest storyline of 2020. Latrell Mitchell at the Bunnies, at fullback. Love it. What about for you, but Jamie? I think the way the NRL community has pulled together through the recent uh, tragic bushfires and how they've been able to you know, do events like Inbega, uh, go out and spend time in the community. All clubs have, have put their hand up at some stage. So I've been really proud to say that you know, we're a part of a game that was so inclusive of what went on in Australia and so aware and so many players doing things. So really proud for the NRL community. Yeah, it was fantastic. And you will talk about that a little later in the show. Uh, mine was the All-Stars. I love the All-Stars every year. I love the Māori and the Indigenous cultures coming together and we celebrate that. It was a fantastic week on the Gold Coast. But let's get into some football news. And breaking news today, of course, is the Captain's Challenge has been officially approved by the Australian Rugby League Commission. Gents, right choice. Do we like it, Michael? I like it. I'm concerned for a little, few things, but I like it. Overall, I think the, the, yeah, the innovation is what the game needed. I think uh, the, to allow you know, the howler in the game, to make sure we eradicate that from the game is, is important. Uh, I just think there's going to be some instances where we see teams taking advantage of the situation and hopefully the game doesn't slow down too much. Yeah, I think the game's going to take a while to adjust and the fans are going to take a while to adjust what's going on and how players use it as well. So um, I wrote an article for tomorrow that just some of the, what you're going to go through as a player. You're going to have to make a decision straight away. Do you use it in the first 10 minutes? Do you trust the player that's made that uh, mistake? So it's only for in play, really. It's only set starts. That's what we're hearing. Uh, we saw on the weekend Adam Reynolds, this one right here, right play to, to challenge it for the Dragons but um, are we going to see too many stoppages? Are we going to see players looking up for replays on the big screen before they challenge it? Uh, we're going to have to wait and see but um, I thought on the weekend that they got it right. So do you think that coaches uh, and players will find a way to manipulate this rule? Is that what you're both oh. sort of suggesting? Uh, well, <laughs> that's what they do. That's what, they, that's, what, that's what the design, you know, all the rules that come in. I, I would hope not but 
it sort of leaves no room for error, really. Like, if the players can only challenge it, they're not going to be challenging tries. They're going to be sent up to the bunker anyway. So it's only going to be... I just hope the game doesn't get too stop-start. If we have four tries go up to the bunker and we have two captains challenged in the first half, there's six stoppages. Mm. Yeah, the game starts to stretch out. It's good that it's only one per, one unsuccessful one per team because if I think if you found you had more than that, Teams would use it to try and you know, slow the play. If there's a you know, ascendancy, the other team's attacking and they need to bring the halt to the momentum, they'll use that captain's challenge to, to deter what the other team is doing. So I think that there's only one is a good thing. The other thing I'm concerned about referees, I just feel as though the, the captain's challenge can only be used if, it, if there's a, start, a stop in play. Now, if a referee is a 50-50 call, Naturally, they're going to lean towards stopping the play, calling a knock-on because they know the team can challenge. And I hope that doesn't slow the game down to a point where we get frustrated with everything that's going on. We only have to think back to a couple of years ago when we had the two in the tackle, the strip, where the ball went out and you'd wait for a replay on the TV and, and then you'd get the scrum feed or you'd get the possession. So, oh, look, I think it's a lot for this year for the referees to concentrate on. I actually feel a little bit for the referees this year. There's so many rule changes. We're going to be on them again after the, the year that they had you know, finishing last year. And how would you explain that captain's challenge in the grand final? Well, there was nothing would have changed. Well, t- well, would it? Because technically, stop. They ended up being the last tackle, so maybe, maybe they would have been able to go back mm. and and look at it. So th- there's going to be a lot of grey. I think the idea is right, but for the first 12 months, I think as fans of the game, we're going to have to be patient with it. Yeah, there's always new rules and new things happening. I think um, it'll be good for the game. But let's talk about, of course, there's other news. Uh, Peter Volandis, the chair of the NRL, wants to bring in sort of funding. It was in your uh, column today, Michael, about suburban grounds getting funding if Allianz Stadium isn't finished in time. So can you explain that for us? Yeah, look, Peter Volandis has made no secret of the fact that he wants to you know, bring suburban grounds up to up to date. They're dilapidated at the moment. Uh, and the, there's a bit of discussion around you know, the rebuilding of Allianz Stadium, whether that's on schedule. The, the NRL's been told it's six months behind at this point. It'll be open. The, um, the SCG Trust believe it'll be ready by the 22, uh, 22 grand final. If not, the NRL see this opportunity to say, you know what, you haven't stuck to the time. We're going to lose millions for not being able to play this game at the venue. We want a compensation payout that will allow us then to invest in suburban grounds. Whether, hap- whether that happens or not, only time will tell. But there's no doubt Peter Valandis, one of the big areas he's focusing on is making sure that suburban grounds and the tribalism that we, you know, we all grew up in watching suburban, gr- in suburban grounds when they were far more up to date than they are now. So that's one of the big ticket items for Peter Valandis and he'll keep pushing. OK, Jamie, if you, if you get to decide which grounds get new uh, boutique stadiums, who are you going with? Well, I would like to think that the teams that play there, all their home games there, get the right of way. And if you do have two home grounds, uh, and you know, say the West Tigers, you're out at Campbelltown and you're at Leichhardt, I think that that probably takes you down a peg. I would like to see Brookvale done. I think it's a fantastic place, horrible place to go and play if you're a, if you're an away team because the sheds are awful. But in terms of what you know, the, the historic feeling when you go into that ground. I would love to see Brookvale done. I think that that deserves the people on the northern beaches. They deserve an upgrade in their facilities. Uh, but if you're looking everywhere else, Penrith needs some. Yeah, every every ground needs some. But uh, I think you're going to see more and more teams in Sydney sharing stadiums, which may help ease the cost of just the NRL. You know, looking for funding. You may see, you know, A League sides. You may see. You know, we've seen. Sydney FC go to, to Cogra, yeah, maybe the Sharks move there permanently, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Do we agree that it's the right thing, that to focus on suburban grounds, or do you think we've got it wrong? Do you just need to go two or three big grounds and just fill them up? Uh, no, I think you have to stick with your suburban grounds. I, I, 
would like to, I'd like to hate to think that we're going to ask Manly fans to come to Allianz every well, second week. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. They won't, they won't yeah. travel. So, yeah, you've got to reward local fan bases, and we've been doing it for a while now. They, when you talk about teams that need an upgrade, that, that uh, Brookvale Oval has been like that for years. It's a good talking point. It'll be interesting to see if it happens or not. Uh, but you said Brookvale. We've got Daly Cherens coming on, so we can definitely ask him that question if he feels the same way. I have a feeling he might feel the same, but let's take a look back at the Manly Seagulls and how they bowed out at the 2019 final series. Josh Dugan is going to kick off to start this sudden death final. Playing a 10 out. Jerry Everett, still will score another one. Now for Fanua Blake and Fanua Blake, he's put it over the line. This is the last. Jerry Evans outside, inside, and Manly have got in again. Yeah, and now the crowd, they know now they're heading to ANZ next week to play against South Sydney. One of these two will be not here next weekend. He got it to Garrick. Garrick inside 10, gets the ball away. Jerry Evans has scored. Surly now is inside the 20. He's gone all the way himself. No, surely not. Jake Trevojevic heading to the bin, I think. It's not even a penalty. Mate, it's a professional. No way. These people have gone mad who are in charge of the game. Well, the enormity of the call, we'll know that in about 13 minutes from now. Manly, with 12 players, has gone out to Sutton, steps up his left foot, he's going in! John Sutton scores! So Souths, they win the football game, 34, Sea Eagles 26. Well, what a season it was, 2019 for the Manly Seagulls. A shattering scenes, but also you did so much. Daly Cherubins, thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. Thank Highs you. and lows right there. Uh, is it too early to even suggest to Jake Dvojevic he did the wrong thing, he was in the right? <laughs> is it too soon? Yeah, way too soon. <laughs> uh, we all know Jake wears his heart on his sleeve and moments like that we'll never avoid him, but he's... Um, He's a player we love playing with and, um, you know, obviously we've got his back in that sort of situation. He was trying to save a try and um, we still think he was right. When you, see, <laughs> when you see his face and you see your face at the end, it just makes everybody get emotional, I think. But um, looking to 2020, Jake and Tom, both right. They're both good to go for round one. Are we, are we good here? Yeah, yes. hopefully. I mean, yeah. like... Um, Jake's certainly not in the clear just yet. Um, he's certainly got some stuff to clear. Um, I know we're getting close and, um, you know, he'd like to be all cleared, but he's, the reality is he's not just yet. But Tom definitely is. Um, you know, one, you look at the different Turbo brothers, one's trying to avoid pre-season and the other's trying to get back for a first game. So, um, yeah, hopefully we've got them both on board. But, you know, Jake's touch and go. Tom's, he's, he's playing. Okay. Now, you look at your team, and it's obviously pretty similar on paper to last year and a phenomenal year for the Seagulls. Most people probably expected you wouldn't do so well, but the notable one for me is no Manasi Fino. I know the, the situation's out of your control, but the impact of the team on the team without him, how big is that to, to the Manly side? Um, at the start, it was obviously um, pretty sort of gut-wrenching to hear the news, um, but, you know, um, the reality is it's out of our control. Um, we, we can't do anything but support Manasse. Um, I feel like... Um, I feel like while it was really hard to deal with um, at the start, um, what we have been able to do is move on as a club and we've got um, ourselves another hooker. Um, so, 
you know, whereas the teams in the past with the stand-down policy maybe haven't had that void filled by another player, um, we've you know, actively gone out and filled it. So um, for that, that part of it, that peace of mind, I do feel like we'll continue on. Um, but, you know, as a teammate and as a mate of uh, Nasser, I hope he's all right and I make sure that, you know, hopefully he's doing well and keep up to date with him. But hopefully we get him back one day. He's a great young kid and he's a very, very good player. Let's talk about Dylan Walker. His development this year is going to be crucial for you guys to who aren't under the radar anymore. But <laughs> for you guys to go further, he's going to have to get better at some of the aspects in his game. How have you guys worked together in trying to make that better, especially with having Danny Levi in at hooker? Yeah, look, um, Walks has trained out of his skin, to be honest. He really has. Um, I thought, even though he played centre the other night in the All-Star game, he showed glimpses of what he's going to be like this year. Um, he's worked hard on uh, all parts of his game. His passing and his kicking have been the two things he's worked on the most. Um, but I've seen heaps of improvement just in the pre-season alone. But um, I thought at the back end of last year, you saw you know, the real Dylan Walker and the way he can play a game of footy. And you know, off the back of six months of pre-season and extras training, I reckon he's going to go to another level this year. We speak about players, but we, when we talk about suburban grounds, we mentioned it earlier in the show. Um, do you think Manly should be at the top of the list to get an upgrade <laughs> at Lotto Land? I don't know who's in front of us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I, mate. You can vouch. You've been in the yeah. sheds, and the away sheds are worse. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're shocking. They're yeah. re they really are. But, I mean, we love that little sort of element of it when teams come to Brookie that you've got to have the rotten sheds. But, I mean... It'd be great to get an upgrade. It's a place that anyone on the northern beaches, and to be honest, even rugby league supporters probably admire. Um, you know, on a sunny day, we're going to have round one there on a Sunday afternoon and against a, a rival in the storm. I think the stage is set for another big crowd and hopefully this season some big crowds. I don't know, I don't know what else we're going to do to, to sort of um, poke them along to get that upgrade. <laughs> but, I mean... Um, yeah, it's, it's a great crowd. It's a great uh, stadium, sorry, but I think it is due for a bit of TLC. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Tom over the summer, and he was quite disappointed that he, obviously the New Deal, but he's not the highest paid player at the club. He, he obviously uh, missed out there. His he's, brother Jake is. is <laughs> <laughs> but to have those two locked up for six more years, <laughs> the younger brothers are coming through. How big is that for Manly, to see those the Trebojevich family? Because... Yeah, we had the Stewarts for many years, and now we've got the Trebojevich brothers. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was sitting back nervous as all hell when they weren't getting re-signed. I was, yeah, going, what's going on here, you know? Like, these guys are arguably like the cornerstone of Manly at the moment. So um, their performances, you know what you're going to get every time they run out there, um, which in the NRL is something that clubs obviously really want to attach to is that consistency. And they're rep players, they hold themselves um, in, you know, like the, the best way possible when it comes to professionalism around a club. So um, to have them long term, it's really exciting. Um, I know I'm going to be able to hopefully play alongside them for the rest of my career and that's something that I really enjoy. Um, not only the friendship, but, you know, out on the field at the moment, we're starting to really sort of work some pretty cool combinations with um, both of the brothers. So hopefully we can keep developing those and along with our teammates play some pretty good football soon. You spoke about those combinations. Des Hasler has been known in the past to have some structures in and around his attack, yeah. but you guys last year, the, the way you played, I thought was one of the best styles of footy that you just played on the ball. How much, I guess, do you have to argue with Desi to be able to let you take the reins a little bit and how much is he trying to you know, pull you back in and you know stick to the plan? Yeah, look, I mean... Um Des does have his structures that he doesn't budge on and um, there's certain parts um, of game plans that we really have to make sure that we are here to but um, 
I'm really, really lucky that um, when it comes to the attacking side of stuff, um, he trusts me a fair bit. And it's not to say that other coaches don't trust their halfbacks or whatever, but um, we have a really strong relationship in that um, if I see something that's unfolding out there and if I go with it, um, he's okay with that. Um, obviously, like any player in our team, we've got accountability if I go and do something that's not in the game plan and I muck it up. I'll make sure that, you know, well, the boys will make sure that I'm held accountable at training <laughs> on a Monday morning. But, you know, Des is really great to work with. Um, it's certainly a different relationship that I've got with him now, say, as to my first year. But um, <laughs> attack-wise, um, I really enjoy working with Des and trying to get the best game plan for our team um, on the weekends. What about um, the younger stars? I mean, we talk about Ruben Garrick, uh, Adley football. Does he usually listen to you? Um, not really. <laughs> uh, look, he's a great young kid. Um, he had a big year last year, um, and I think it got to his head. And now he <laughs> That's funny you say that, because I was over at Narrabeam last week, and I was a little concerned. We were talking to him about rookie reflections. Yeah. I asked him if he knew who the halfback skipper was, and this is what he had to say. But he didn't put any pressure on you, is that? Who's that? He's talking about his debut. No, DCA, he was trying to... Who's that? Oh! <laughs> oh my god, that was the best! <laughs> you know what, I've tucked him under my wing, I've given him everything I could, experience, advice, and he goes and does that to me. Yeah, he said it right in front of you as well, and I, I was actually the one who didn't catch on to it quick enough, but you said you'd get him back. Here's your chance, but what have you have you got anything to return? No, 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 no. I'm gonna play it um I'm gonna play it um so, He has the best uh, hair in your team though. <laughs> always looks like it's blow dried and, and he bit does. of product in there. Do you know what? There's plenty of things I could tee off on young Ruben. <laughs> I'll leave it. He's going really well. He's playing good footy and um, he's looking great. Well done, Ruben. Do you know what? And I, and I, in all seriousness, after that, he did say that uh, you were actually the most influential person in his football career. So oh, it's nice. not all bad things. Nice I think he was trying to make up for it. I think nice he was a bit nervous <laughs> for round one. He's, he's good. I get along really well with him and um, he's so inquisitive, Rubes. Like, it would be easy for someone like that to have a great year in first grade um, and to think that they know it all. But, um, yeah, I can guarantee Rubes is always trying to ask questions. You know, he's asking questions with George Defour, who's obviously an experienced winger. Um, even players like myself trying to understand what halves are thinking out there. So um, I think he's got a bright future if he continues to try and learn the game and improve um, his, his own game. Taylor, does what you went through as a youngster, obviously so much talk around you as a young kid and that squad with the senior players, does that make you look at the young guys and yeah, your relationship with them? Do you take that a lot more, you know, lot more emphasis and importance on that role because of what you went through? Yeah, look, I mean, um, there's stuff that I take from um, my past captains and leaders and I always try and uh, adhere to, I guess. Um, there's parts of... Um, leadership that um you know that i really admired from my old teammates so but there's also parts that i think oh you know what I, if i ever got the chance i'm not going to do things that way so yeah there's definitely parts that i've taken and and good and bad parts from old teammates for sure um probably like the young kids are going to do with my leadership at the <laughs> moment so um yeah it is a, it is a bit of taking the best parts of people that have come before you um and trying to implement it to everyone but you know, I'm always trying to get better at working on relationships and my teammates and stuff like that. So hopefully I'm doing a good job. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> sure you are. You're not the Queensland captain for no reason. I will turn our attention to something a little more serious. Last week you did give your opinion on the national anthem being um, sung. Now, you would like to still see this uh, sang at State of Origin matches. Uh, but just tell me your stance on it and explain that. And then we've, we've sort of got another question we like to throw at you. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I guess... Um, 
got asked about it the other day. It's mm. a bit of a topical thing at the moment in um, not just sport but in Australia at the moment. So um, I guess when asked about it, yeah, um, I do sing the national anthem um, with pride um, based on my upbringing in Australia. It's a really positive experience, but um, I do also have a mind for others and um, I do understand that it hasn't been all easy going for some families in Australia. So, um, you know, the biggest question for me is really, it's not sort of, um, it's, 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 the question needs to be asked, why aren't people singing the Australian anthem? Yeah. Um, and if, if there's, a, if there's a, a minority or a majority in Australia that aren't singing it, maybe that's the question we have to ask, is why people don't want to sing it. So um, if my teammates do or don't sing it, that's fine. That's OK. That's their, that's their choice. Um, I won't judge anyone on that. But, you know, maybe on a bigger scale for Australians, we start to think about what, what, if, there, if there's an option out there that might make more people happier. Yeah, and we, and we saw the Commission take it away, scrap that from the All-Stars match, which is completely different yeah. state of origin. Do you think it could come down to a player-based vote, just so in our game um, it's a majority rule situation, or is that getting a little bit complicated? Uh, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, it definitely is getting a little complicated. I mean, like, a voting system always seems to get the fairest way, um, but I mean, like, I'd love to see like ex-players included, um, people yeah. that have paved the way for us as players right now. I mean, we still shouldn't neglect the, the impact that they've had on our game so far. So, you know, um, it's a hard one. Um, I don't think the decision just needs to be made in sports or in just in rugby league. Like I said, I think the bigger questions need to be asked worldwide but, or Australian-wide, sorry. But um, as for right now, I'll still sing the anthem whenever it's on and then, mm. you know, if my teammates choose or not to or to sing it, then that's completely up to them and that's judgment-free. Yeah, and we completely respect your decision as well. And yeah. I know it's a, it's a touchy subject. You don't want to say anything that's culturally appropriate so appreciate you answering that oh, one right. um, and thank you so much for coming on inside the NRL thank look you. out not long before you take on uh, Melbourne Storm at Lotto Land March 15 make sure you tune into that one that'll be on nrl.com but coming up we do have the Dallium lock of the year Cameron Murray joining us in studio but first let me take you back three decades that is right 30 years since Tina Turner's simply the best ad campaign let's take a look it's going back in time, the Tina Turner campaign. I was very fortunate to be involved in that. It's really good to see that it's re-emerging again. My contribution was actually in a gymnasium. They obviously got the good-looking blokes down here for the beach and put us, you know, not so good-looking blokes back in the gym. To actually uh, be able to just have a chat with her, have a laugh, uh, have a bit of fun doing the, the clips. Yeah, it was just so easy. It made the whole thing a great memory. Marco. Yeah. Growing up, my uncle obviously played for Bowman, so he was in the ad, in both ads, the 89 ad and, and the 90 ad. First time actually seeing it, it's pretty cool. It was pretty special, I guess. I, I, I kind of get goosebumps watching it. To think that it had a, a big enough impact for me to still remember parts of it probably shows how cool it was and, and how big it was at the time. I like the get-up. Uh, <laughs> budgie smugglers down the beach. Um, it's real gutho. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tease their fashion, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I had hair back then, so it was, it was probably good for me. But when I was running along the beach, I had a pair of cozies on, so that was about it. We had the, um, the mullets going, so we were right into it. Everyone had the uh, the long hair and guys like E.T. and Wayne Pearce and Alfie. It had the, the looks. Yeah, I guess sex does sell. It is pretty funny to look back and see like all the different colours they were wearing and the baggy jerseys yeah, and stuff. baggy jerseys all the time. <laughs> the old mullets and stuff like that, oh, I actually don't mind so... More mullets, eh? Hey? That'd be great. Imagine if it was, everyone was rocking mullets. It'd be all time. <laughs> be something else. Having Tina Turner sing Simply the Best and, uh, you know, was certainly just the most magical uh, promotion that we ever saw. 
We're joined by uh, Dalia Mlock of the Year, Cameron Murray. Thanks for coming on Inside the no NRL. Thanks for having me. Now, you said you'd be nervous, and I said I was going to throw you in the bus, okay? Yeah. So it's all good. It's yeah, all good. We're going to talk good. about the launch. Yeah. Now, you've been involved in, uh, we're taking a look back at Tina Turner's Simply the Best promo. That was 30 years ago. You weren't even like a star in the sky. Yeah, I think I was minus eight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at the sneak peek. I want to see what you guys have to do. I don't even know if I saw you on there, but um, that 15 seconds went really, really quick. Yeah, was. What was it like? What was your part in playing in that ad? Um, so, well, actually, I sat down with Damien Cook, and I was telling you before, it was, a, it was a nice contrast. Damien's a bit more of a footy head than I am, so he knew a few more people in there, and probably... He's a bit uh, older, too. Yeah, exactly, yeah. so he's probably a bit more used to the ad, but it was really good for me to sit down and look at it, look at all the old players, and look at uh, how big an event or a kind of like how, how big it was back in the day. Um, and how much it, it, it would have um, hyped all the fans um, seeing something like that. So it's great that they're bringing them back this year. Yeah, Tina Turner, have you downloaded the song? Yeah, I think I've got it on my phone. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Not enough shirts off, mate. <laughs> that launch is live, by the way, tonight, on uh, live on Channel 9, and then it'll be on our website a little Has later. Has the extended tonight. version got a few more Beach Runners shirts oh, on old school? I assume so. I'm not sure. That's the first... Don't reveal. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's yeah. the first sort of thing. That's, that's, that's the plug, I think. So. Make sure you tune in on Channel 9 Live in their news bulletin tonight, and then check it out on our website a little later. Gosh, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> How's it all been, Cam? We're just settling in. Yeah, obviously after the disappointment last year, I know some injuries really crueled you towards the back end of the year. Big change in the off-season with Latrell joining the club is sort of bringing yeah, a little bit of an uplift to the joint. Yeah, yeah, as he's, um, he's selling really well, it's like he's been here forever. Um, he's got a lot of close friends there already and he's happy and he's, he's looking fit. So he's, um, yeah, I think he's in for a really big year and we've, had a, we've all had a pretty good pre-season under our belt. I think everyone's more than ready for round one to come. So um, we had a good little taste of last week, uh, yesterday or two days ago in Mudgee. So great to get the cobwebs out of the way and um, start playing some footy. Was it feeling like you guys just ran out of troops towards the end of last year to compete with the big guns? Or was it, you know, have you had to change some things in the off-season to be able to go that next step? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I haven't thought about it too much, actually. Um, I wouldn't use that as an excuse that we ran out of troops or anything like that. I just, I just don't think we played uh, to the potential that we all knew we could play. So it was disappointing, like you said. But um, the beauty of footy is, is there's always a next year. There's always um, a next time. So. Like I said before, we've, um, we've had a really good pre-season under our belt and we're looking forward to this year. Kem, I think um, we spoke about it off air, but you're so young, you've only just turned 22 and yeah. you're trying to work out that balance with head noise and also on-field performance. Yeah. What do you do? Like, tell us, I guess in a week, what are you trying to do to make sure you, you're switched on for that? For the um, game? I like my routines. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm too OCD about it, but I am a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to um, routines and stuff like that. So. Um, just the standard stuff, I always try and get a good night's sleep, um, I always try and compete at training and get better. Uh, What's your favourite meal? My favourite what? Yeah, do you have favourite meal? Do you have to have favourite meal before meal. you play, the, um, play your game? Not really, normally like a pasta with some sort of um, maybe chicken or steak or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the protein in, but um, yeah, so I, like I said, I'm not too OCD about it, I am a bit of a perfectionist, but 
um, yeah, I, I try and stick uh, as closely as I can to my routines. Yeah, for sure. Cam, help, help all our uh, fantasy players out there. This yeah. move to the uh, the edge. What does it mean for Cam mm. Murray? What does it mean going forward? Are we um, going to see a lot more of you, a lot less of you? What's the what's the plan? Uh, I think the plan is to see more of me. I think the the plan was to move me out on the edge, um, kind of save me for the, for that first twenty minutes there, and then move into the middle. Um, you know, after the, the, the sting of that first 10, 20 minutes um, at the start of the game has sort of um, died down a little bit too. So I think, well, the plan is to just keep me on for a bit longer than I was getting last year. And obviously it's not going to come straight away because, um, you know, I don't have that map, match fitness under my belt yet or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I'll start on the edge. I've still got a lot to work on there. Um, but really looking forward to the challenge. Yeah, I played a little bit. Um, growing up in the juniors and stuff like that there too so um, yeah I don't think it'll be too dissimilar to, to what it was last year I'll just obviously be starting out on the edge so what you're telling me his first round draft pick that's okay still happy with that <laughs> yeah 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 800,000 is a bit I'm expensive <laughs> uh, look get a bit of talk around Caelan Ponger he's talking yeah. about a deal where maybe he can go and play in the World Cup you've got a, a union background would you ever consider something like if Souths came to you and said mm. we want to extend you but if you wanted to pursue a World Cup you, we'd, we'd let you uh, yeah, it's definitely something I'd love to explore down the track. Um, I'm pretty young now and I've always stuck strong to the idea that I really wanted to start in rugby league first and um, get my foot in the door and kind of establish myself as a rugby league player first and then um, if opportunities down the track open up then I'll explore, I'll, I'll explore it then. So I think the World Cup coming up is probably a little bit too close for me. Preferably I would prefer to um, Stay in league a little bit longer, and um, yeah, like I said before, if the opportunity arises, um, yeah, we'll go from there. But um, yeah, it's definitely something that I'd, I'd love to go and explore. You definitely have a bright future, and you've been one of the very popular football players that everybody's loved to watch. So we look forward to seeing you again in 2020. Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. No worries. You did great in your first appearance. We loved <laughs> Thanks, it. Guys. We loved Thank it. <laughs> now let's turn our attention to, of course, the bigger match. Uh, the Parramatta Eels and the Penrith Panthers took their game down to the Sapphire Coast. They raised more than $5 million into the economy. And NRL.com did a beautiful piece on a local farmer. Let's take a look. It's like a bomb went off. It, it was a tornado with fire on it. We were lucky, mate. Look, it, it was coming at us, and I don't know how I'm here talking to you, Zach. You sit here, Tim, and you say that you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah. But you lost a brother and a father. I wish I knew why. We fought fires till 11 o'clock that morning, knowing that your brother and your father's dead over the hill. Yeah, it's just shit. I'll never ask for help, but we all need help, mate. I've got big shoulders, I'll keep smiling if I can. Oh, yeah, the boys. Hey, mate. On behalf of us as Parramatta Eels, um, the Mental League Foundation, uh, we just came to bring $7,000 worth of product okay. and services from the Southern Farm Supplies in Bega. So that's for you. Oh. There you are. That's nice, that's right. Oh, bloody hell. Sort of help you along the way. And... Well, a bit more fencing gear, mate. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. The power of rugby league cease, never ceases to amaze me, honestly. Um, gents, you saw the game on the weekend. It was a fantastic result. But first, just talking about uh, the power of rugby league and what we can do to sort of comfort people who have gone through these devastating times. Did you like what you saw on the weekend? 
Well, we've seen the power of the game. We've seen mm. it over you know, many instances over the years. They go down to bigger and you know, a lot of people come to the game. But it's not about the game that actually you know, inspires a lot of people. You see here with the Eels and what they did going out to many places that they did with, with farmers. I think the game should be proud of what it's done, not just for you know, the bushfires, but over the years. We've done pretty well coming together and helping people out. Yeah, definitely. And I will just say that that full story is on NRL.com. Zach Bailey, uh, Dave Kennedy and Morgan Taylor put that one together and it's just beautiful. NRL.com team showing off those pieces. But what about for you, Jamie? Yeah, look, I think that, you know, anytime you can go out and play in the country, you know, every club should have to take one game into the country each year. I just, I'm really passionate about that. I think that you've seen it go to Bega now, the success down there, obviously for a different reason. But we've seen it go to Wagga, Port Macquarie recently with trials. If you go out there for two points, you may even double that you know, and spend the week down there. We used to go to Bathurst uh, for Penrith and had a really good week up there with the locals, did a couple of clinics, and you get a chance to go away and escape that Sydney bubble that is the NRL for 30 weeks. So I, I think in the future I'd like to see more clubs commit to that long term and go That's out there and spend the week yeah, it's my sweetest sound. Nice, easy one to start this year. <laughs> nice, nice, easy one to start. One. Yeah, nice, sweet one. But it's when you look at those, the story that Zach and the crew did, and you listen to what people have gone through, and you realise that taking a game there can uplift that community and put smiles on faces. We're doing our part as a game. It's great stuff, isn't it? Let's talk more about the football, though. Nathan Cleary was a standout. Also, Mitchell Moses, both halves on opposing sides, but still a draw. What was your take on that, Jensen? Who do you think will partner Nathan in the halves? I think it'll start with Jerome Luai, but young Matt Burden, I like what I see from him. It won't be long before he'll be the number six at Penrith. Uh, you know, Jerome showed you know, plenty of promise over the years, but I don't think they can ignore what they've seen from young Matt Burden. So, uh, yeah, they'll start the year and things will change, but I, I, I expect big things from Nathan this year. With no James Maloney, uh, I think he'll you know, take that responsibility. And I'm hearing he may even captain the team when James Tamo's off the field. So... That's an added responsibility, Nathan, especially with the pressure of captain challenge these days. I think Apicorosau will be an important buy for the Penrith Panthers this year, and Nathan Cleary will help him uh, take control of the ruck. But for me, Matt Burton should be playing fullback. They lack a, a quality ball-playing fullback for a while now. They've had, you know, Dylan Edwards and Caleb Bacons are great at what they do, which is supporting the ball. They get the set started. But if you're talking about teams that win regularly, they have that mix of bringing the ball back, but you have someone that can put on plays. And mm -hmm. if Luai is to start in the halves, and he will, he'll get an opportunity because he's been waiting. Matt Burton can control down a short side for you and be that X factor that maybe they've missed the last couple of years in that spine. A dangerous spine of Coruscant, Cleary, Luai and Burton for me could be the mix the Panthers need. Do you like uh, what uh, Ivan Cleary's done with the Penrith Panthers? Do you think like whatever 17 they name is stronger than what they would have named last Coruscant's year? Coruscant's the key. Yeah. Yeah. Coruscant's the key for them. He plays with the, he, he comes out, he can play with the forwards, he can slow the tempo, he can take off from dummy half. He's going to be key. And they just don't look like the team last year that we're just going to throw the ball to Villiam a kick out and say, right, you run over eight people and if you don't do that, we don't know what to do. Well, we saw when, when Mitch Kenny came in, and Mitch Kenny is no Appy Coruscant, but as soon as they started to have a little bit out of dummy half and have some options, they started to win games towards the back end of the year, the Panthers. So I think with Appy there, they'll, they'll cause some teams some trouble. Do you read too much into the, the first trial games for the Parramatta Eels? Oh, no, they're a premiership contender, don't make no mistake. I think... Hey, they're the favourites. Yeah, well, I've got them winning the comp as well. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a weakness in that team. They're well-stocked in the forwards. They've bought well. Ryan Madison, Regan Campbell, Gillard. And Mitchell Moses, I think, is in for another big year. That try he scored on the weekend, the chip and chase, uh, and, and with the guidance of Andrew Johns there, I think the Eels can win the comp. The drought could be over. Yeah, the, the Parramatta fans, this is the most excited they 
should have been or should be in a very, very long time. They are heavyweight contenders. Look, the, the other teams will be there, but for me, Mitchell Moses, what I've seen, his maturity over the last two years, especially after they went through that poor season, has been able to come out the other side. Now he looks like the leader that we all thought he was going to be at an early age. Yeah, well, time will tell. Round one, not far away, but we're not going to talk to a Penrith Panther or a Parramatta Eel. We are now going to talk to a Canberra Raider, Charles Nickel Clockstay. Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. Hey, cool. Thanks for having me. Now, I've seen you've been quite busy in the off-season. How was it? What holidays did you get up to before you have to get into the thick of pre-season and start football? Yeah, fairly busy. Um, started off, you know, the Kiwi store finished off in Christchurch, so I thought I'd spend the majority of my break there uh, with my family there in New Zealand. And, um, you know, I thought... With the extra time off, I thought I'd take the opportunity to go over to the Cook Islands with my kids and uh, visit my nan that I haven't seen for like 10 years or something and, um, you know, get back to, you know, a place that I, I call home as well. So I was, it was really exciting, really cool, and I'm glad I made the trip. Yeah, Chance, how do you handle this season? Last year, the Raiders came into, you know, pretty much surprised everyone making that run through to the grand final. There won't be, you know, you won't be let off from the, the critics this year. There'll be a lot of pressure on the Raiders to deliver again. Do you think that's a good thing for the team? Because it's probably stronger on paper than you were 12 months ago. Yeah, I think the, the pressure from the outside is, um, I guess, not as much as the pressure we have on ourselves. You know, we, we fully understand that. Uh, you know, we done well last year and, you know, we're really proud of our efforts, but we also know that we we didn't achieve anything. You know, we, we fell short at the end there and, um, you know, we're just like the other 15 teams there. So we're coming into a new preseason, um, you know, as hungry as we were last year, even hungrier. Um, and, you know, we're just wanting to put our best foot forward and that starts in round one. Chance, how has the playing group and the coaching staff addressed coming so close last year but not getting uh, the chocolates at the end? How you guys addressed that going into pre-season and have you watched the game? Uh, yeah, no, I haven't watched the game, man. <laughs> you know, it, it, it hurts me every time, you know, I'm seeing highlights and everything on it. Still burns and, um, you know, we, we I guess we addressed it. Uh, I guess looked at the little moments that... We missed and looked at the opportunities that uh, that presented themselves and we didn't take. So uh, we needed to take the learnings from from them and uh, we had to we had to do that for us to get better. And uh, those are the some of the things we we've taken into this preseason and and we definitely want to build off. Chance, do you think you will ever watch the replay or you won't? Nah, never. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> uh, now I don't think I'd, I'd ever watch the grand final. Oh, okay. Okay, I, we won't dwell on it. But for you individually, you had a brilliant season last year. Can we talk a bit about your form and coming into this season? I guess when you look back, you're in a very different situation uh, last year. How good is it that your rugby league career has just ignited into something fantastic? Yeah, um, obviously individually really proud of, uh, I guess, what 12 months has done for myself as, as an athlete and I guess as a person. Um, you know, a lot of things have changed uh, since back then. And um, for me, I guess nothing changes. Um, you know, I guess I'm probably a little, little bit more confident going into the season. Um, with playing 12 months with, with the boys that I just played with and uh, not only that, being able to get a preseason at fullback under my belt as well. So, 
um, I guess it's just head down, bum up, and um, keep building on what I what I did last year. Chance, what are some of the things that you've gone away and worked with? You know, you've got a new combination with George Williams coming up. You're going to be so vital in helping him settle into the NRL. How have you improved your game in the off season? It's just my ball playing, I guess. Um, you know, the majority of that season last year, I was, I was pretty much uh, camped out on the right edge. And, um, you know, with Caesar going, it's, it's sort of op- opened up for me to, you know, play on both sides. And, um, you know, a, a big thing for me going into this season that I wanted to work on was just my ruck recognition. Um, you know, just not missing the opportunities to push on on the ball. And, um, you know, sort of like Clint Gutherson, he does a really good job on it. And, um, you know, James Tedesco. So boys like that, um, I, I definitely take a page out of their book. Chance, how will George Williams change the way the Raiders play in 2020? Do we expect much different from you guys this year? I think he brings, um, you know, that experience, uh, something that I really enjoyed about uh, having or being a part of, you know, the Englishmen last year was uh, they just got this this will to win. They just got uh, a different sort of edge. And, um, you know, with what Sam's, uh, George, sorry, has achieved in the Super League, I'm, I'm looking at looking forward to what he brings to our side. And um, he's got a really short, good short cooking game and he, he's a pretty good defender as well. So it suits what we're looking for. And, you know, like I said, just try and build off what we did last year. Now, I know you're a proud New Zealander. There's been a bit of talk in the media about Artie Sevilla, the All Blacks player wanting to come to the Rugby League. He wants to win a comp. Now, you guys are not far off that. Has there been much talk about you know, him potentially coming to rugby league and maybe making the Raiders a home? Um, no, I haven't really heard about anything um, about him coming over here. Um, probably ask Joe Tarps that question. He, he, he thinks they're pretty, pretty good mates from back home, so <laughs> I'll ask him and I'll get back to you. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Thank you so much for joining us, Chance. We know that you've got a big, busy couple of weeks, the NRL launch on Thursday, I think that one is, and then you play the Titans next uh, week in round one. So we'll let you get back into it, but thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. No, thanks, team. Thanks for having me. Look forward to seeing you guys during the year. All right, it's now time for Hit or Miss. The Knights should give Callum Ponga the option to play rugby. I'm going to say hit. Okay. I'm going to say hit. Uh, look, if the guy wants to leave, the guy wants to leave. They're, they're not going to stop Callum Ponga. He's got two more years on his deal, an option for another. Extend him for as long as they can. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't want to be, he's going to, have to, he's going to walk out. So make him happy for as long as he can. If he doesn't want to play league, Callum, good luck to you. We can't force anyone to play if they don't want to be here. No, uh, miss for me. I think the NRL <laughs> should keep him in there at all costs. So, you know, we, um, we don't want to lose these players. We saw Cam Murray thinking about it. I don't think we can afford to start giving rugby a chance to, to get their teeth into some of our better players. So, miss for me. Yeah, it's not the NRL's choice, Jamie. Like, if, if the guy wants to leave, he's got no contract, he'll leave. Like, there's nothing they can do. It's not about money. It's not a money thing. If the guy wants to play for the All Blacks, which he has said before, he wants to play for the All Blacks. What's the NRL going to do? So... At the end of the day, we don't we don't want to lose Caelan Ponga, but he can do what he wants. It's a pretty good opportunity if you're an athlete and you want to test yourself in different codes, that's for sure. Well, more of these guys want to do this now. You know, we've seen a few players go over, test themselves in the NFL, and mm. it's the way it is. It's happening more and more. It's certainly a topic that could come up for debate and have to look into contracts with mm. years to come. But uh, let's move on. Literal Mitchell will stay at fullback throughout 2020. Hit or miss? Hit. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I think this is... I mean, you look at that back line on the weekend, they're going to be really, really... They're probably going to be better than what I thought they would be. It's going to take time, but uh, he will get his match fitness there. He had, he had first touch, try assist to Campbell Graham. I think it's way This is They're in for the long haul with Latrell Mitchell at fullback. Yeah, hit for me, except, no way for it, when he returns <laughs> to the Origin Arena and plays in the centres. But hit for South Sydney, he'll be there all year. Ooh, so you're suggesting that he will play Origin again? Yeah, I think he'll be back in the fold, yeah. Ooh, watch this space. Oh, I'll have to make sure I read the Sydney Morning Herald if there's going to be updates in there. Yeah, like <laughs> Not quite it. origin could, stories yet. I, I could be reading much. too much into it. <laughs> All right, and hit or miss for our last one. We'll see different Titans team under Justin Holbrook in 2020. Hit or miss? Yeah, hit. I, I think yeah, the Titans traditionally gave up when the going got tough. They won't make the eight this year. They'll be better, but they won't give up. And we saw on the weekend, they were 16-0 down against the Broncos. And you could give up in that point and say it's only a trial. But they didn't. They came back and they won the game. I think they'll be around that, you know, 9, 10, 11 mark this year, not the wooden spoon. Uh, I, I miss for me. I think that they'll be around that 15, 16 mark all year. It's going to take time for Justin Holbrook to put his touch on this team and start to get the roster that he wants. The thing that we underestimate or understate when a, a coach takes over from an underperforming team is a lot of those guys are probably guys that he wouldn't recruit you know, to start a team. So he's inherited a roster that maybe he wants to make some changes with. So uh, for Titans fans, you're going to be in for the long haul with Justin Holbrook. You're a fantastic coach, but it may take a while to have you know, his roster and his side you know, play the way he wants to. Okay. Well, it's the first year I haven't put the Titans in my top eight, and I'm hoping it's reverse psychology. <laughs> but that is it for our first show, gents. Can you believe it? We got through. Just. Just. It was a bit of rust. I know that uh, the season launch is on Thursday, and I said that high-pitched a little earlier, but it is definitely on Thursday. We'll be there 7 p.m. live. It'll be on nrl.com, so make sure you tune into that one. Uh, will you both be there? I won't be. No invite. <laughs> <laughs> He's a busy man. Gotta start yeah. being friendly to the NRL, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be there? Will you be there, Mike? I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Like this year, which is nice. So. Oh, fantastic. There, okay, sounds great. Thank you, Jens. It's great to have you back. Can't wait. It's going to be a fantastic 2020 season. Thank you for joining in. We'll be back again on Monday at 5pm. Have a good one. <laughs>